Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, I guess uh, it's true to say we uh, are living and have lived for the last couple of years in very interesting times. And it seems to me as we hopefully are coming out or learning to live with um, with COVID and the pandemic, um, we're seeing some interesting things going on in the economic space. And um, delighted to welcome back a colleague and a former guest a couple of times on the show now who is really um, a, an expert in all things to do with the you know macroeconomic environment in which we're trying to do business and live. Um, it's a big warm welcome to Marco Gunderman, who is the subject lead for economics, uh, international relations and international development at the university within our faculty of law. Marco, welcome back to the show. Uh, to the show. Gosh, Thank you. plenty of food for you to think about and maybe even worry about, no, at the moment going on in the real world. Oh yes, there's there's no lack of news, is there? Um, we we obviously have the cost of living crisis. We we see higher inflation around the world, but it's it's presenting itself quite differently in different parts of the world. Uh, we have the Ukraine crisis uh, and every all the effects that will have and 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 already has, um, and uh, lots of other stuff going on as well. Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff. We'll come on to perhaps the things that keep government uh, occupied, which may or may not be the right things. But first, let's start with some good news. The world seems to be bouncing back from the economic slowdown that we had under full lockdown. Is it true to say that there's growth pretty much around the world? Yes. No, that's true. Um, in some parts of the world, world it's much stronger than in others so the united states have long surpassed um, the level of gdp that they had before the pandemic um, the eurozone has fully recovered um, the uk is recovering but has not fully recovered yet oh really now that is interesting because you know post brexit you'd have thought we were free to plow our own furrow i guess so we are not quite back to where we were but we must be close no yeah, it's close, but um, it, it's it's also different for different people. There are quite a number of people who have given up and left the labor market, um, who are no longer trying to get a job. Um, so mm. they will be lost to, to the economy. Um, and quite often those are more experienced people as well. So we're losing a lot of experience here. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, on, on, on the other side of this, the, the very young people are finding it difficult to start um, in their careers. So it's, um, it, it's, it's not as good as it could be. It's a mixed uh, bag, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, for most of us watching these things, how we perform compared to Europe after Brexit is going to be really interesting, right, to see if we do actually steam ahead or you know that will always be our benchmark won't it from now on 
I guess so, and and I find it amazing actually that that um, Mr. Johnson, um, in in prime minister's questions always wants to say that the UK is the fastest growing country. Um, because the simple reason for that is that no other country of the G7 uh, had such a decline in GDP. So we're coming from a much lower place than the others. And, and you know, I find it strange to tout that as a success. <laughs> I think you've expl explained that very well. Yes, indeed. He does tend to say that. But um, so the actual growth rate then, he may be technically right that the growth percentage is higher. But as you say, we haven't caught up yet. And it's from a, because we suffered or performed worse than others. So um, hmm. statistics, lies, damn lies and statistics, no? Well, yes, you can always pick and choose what you want to talk about, obviously. Um, but I think a lot of people in the UK are, are not having a great time because um, of the cost of living crisis. And this, of course, will get far worse uh, in April when all the electricity prices are going up. Yeah. Um, and then again in November. So what's happening in November? Uh, they're going up again. So oh, it's, <laughs> double, double whammy then. So inflation for a long time, and I certainly didn't believe it, this was going to be a temporary thing. Even, you know, the Bank of England, was that a political uh, decision to speak in those terms? The European Union, everybody seemed to think this was just going to be a temporary blip. But what's, what's driving this to be a constant um, risk now going forward? Well, there, there are different things coming together. Um, so one is the supply uh, chain um, problem that uh, the world economy is facing uh, because we're trying to catch up after the pandemic. Um, and so it's, it's just we can't handle uh, all this catching up that we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, then we're also at the same time trying to green our, our economies. Uh, and so that puts a lot of pressure on the supply of certain minerals and, and you know, that, so, so that's driving up costs. Um, and, but then we also have the, the effects from the pandemic and different countries had different strategies. Um, so in the UK, um, where we have lowered um, benefits again after uh, temporarily increasing them. Mm. Um, and, and so this has the typical effect of, um, uh, you know, lowering real incomes. So it's, so inflation is, is quite a big problem in the UK um, because people are being squeezed from all sides. Mm. Um, and of course, during the pandemic, a lot of businesses went went out of business uh, and they're not returning mm. uh, and so there's more pricing power out there and so the 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 problem is that companies will just uh, recoup all the higher costs in higher prices and then people will will try to catch up with with higher wages uh, and so this this will become its own dynamic and so what could be temporary uh, might become more permanent well, people of a certain age will certainly remember the 70s, which were really quite horrendous to live through. So we don't want to go through that again. But, you know, there's been a lot of money pumped into the economy in support. Uh, is there, uh, you know, have they overdone it? Too much money tasting too few goods? No, there does seem to be 
uh, an issue here. People in, in jobs have saved. They haven't been going out so much. They haven't been able to take holidays. There's pent up spending in the, in the households, I suppose, as well as companies that were, were you know, whether they were zombie companies, kept alive now. Well, there's to a degree that, you know, some people have savings from the lockdown periods. Other people um, have increased their debt during the lockdown period because they found it very difficult to cope with the reduced income. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's different for diff different people. Um, and, and, you know, lowering in the midst of this uh, um, cost of living crisis benefits, of course, um, is, is a real burden to a lot of households. So one of your key messages then is that this is not being felt evenly across the world, nor within our country. So it makes even more important, um, I guess, the leveling up agenda. It is. And, and, and um, you know, last year I was saying we're, we're going to have, a, you know, at least a year of, of high inflation, whatever we do. Mm. And, and we can see that. But it's quite different because if you look at the US, real wages are increasing. Um, so, yeah, it's still a problem for those on benefits, but for those who are getting wages, the higher inflation in the US is, is not such a big problem. And, and it's a result of a very strong and fast recovery um, that is resulting in, in better jobs and better paid jobs for people. Whereas in the UK, real wages are not growing as fast as inflation. And so people's income is, is being cut. Um, so it's it's quite a different picture. What's your um, you know are the are the government spending their, their time on the right thing? Um, are the Tories going to survive the next election? Is Boris going to get through? I presume the May elections are going to be a big signal about how the country feels, and maybe nobody wants to take on the leadership until that's over. But um, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're equally disgusted as I am with what's going on in politics now at a national level. I, I am, and, and I have a really bad feeling that people will just get so bored with it that they will forget about it um, and, and that, that Mr. Johnson will get away with it. Um, and really, he, he shouldn't. I mean, it's, throughout this pandemic and, and what we can see now, there's such a disregard for, for people uh, on, on middle and, and lower incomes. And, you know, there's such a rules don't matter attitude. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not good for the country. It's not good for politics. Uh, no, you know. I, I think you're absolutely right. I wonder whether we becoming a bit of a laughing stock, you know, but that sort of integrity and all those things statesmanlike, it just doesn't seem to be coming through. And that's not to say that many politicians are very well meaning heart in the right place. But yeah, there's something not right. And it, it will reflect badly on all of us and on the country, sadly. But um, well, let, let's see. May elections will be interesting. Just before we talk about some good news that you personally have had recently, um, this the future of work and this change that people have opted out of the workforce or have decided to reconsider their their work-life balance in so many ways. That seems to be a, a phenomenon here, the other side of the Atlantic. Any thoughts on, on what's actually happening there? Yeah, I think I, I mentioned the last time we, we, we talked that some of this is positive because people are, are re-evaluating their lives and they're saying, is it really worth me going back to my low paying job that doesn't actually pay me enough to survive? Mm. Uh, and so there will be some adjustment. Um, 
you know, some things will become more expensive for us because we're valuing services more, more highly. And I think that's a good thing. Mm. Uh, it, it's not an easy thing to adjust to, but I think it's a good thing. Um, but then there are also people who are just giving up um, or who are um, just accepting uh, part-time jobs, although they would really like a full-time job. Yeah. Um, and so that's the negative side of it. Whereas in the US, we have, you know, an economy on full steam mm. um, and, and people are getting new opportunities and, and not as many businesses have floundered in the US as, as have in the UK. Mm. Um, because, you know, they, they, they put a lot of money into the economy. I haven't seen any indicators, though, of, of bankruptcies or businesses closing then. Is that now, is there now evidence to suggest that the UK, we lost a lot of businesses? Yes, and, and, and the, the, the majority of those are, are one-person businesses, so self-employed people. So there has been a, a, quite a significant drop in, in self-employed people. Uh, okay. um, so, yeah. So this, um, we can expect some transition. I guess a lot of people also have decided they don't want to commute five days a week into into London and all that, which again yeah. I think is is interesting. That from a leveling up perspective, more people working from home in the towns and villages, um, they'll be using local facilities more often. So you know, and commuting and saving the planet with actually less. Um, so I think we have a major opportunity to embrace some of these changes. But as I think you're alluded to the structural change in the economy will hurt and be painful for some people for, for a couple of years now before we get to a new equilibrium, I suppose. But I, I hope we do, we can uh, bridge that gap. I think the shift or the potential changes here are, are positive overall. No? Um, I, I mean, it's certainly right to, to focus on levelling up. Um, but but as we have seen with the change in the, the plans for public transport, um, a lot of this um, you know is is declared by by the prime minister and then scuppered by the chancellor. Mm. Um, so I I I what I missed in all of this is is a big strategy. Mm. that brings everything together and makes sense. Um, and then enough money being put into that to, to make it work. And, and so far, we're not seeing that. So did Michael Gove's leveling up paper last week, did you think that was a start to at least get the vision right, even though there was no money behind it? Yeah, I think if there would have been money behind it, it would have been quite positive. And, and you know, I, although... You know, we were on different sides when it came to Brexit. I, I you know, I quite um, think that Michael Gove might be the only competent member of the cabinet. So, uh, you know, I, I, I rate him quite highly. I, uh, you know, not, you know, politically we, we have large differences, but I, I think he seems to me quite competent and actually wanting to improve things. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. That's a good uh, ringing endorsement then for, you know, I, I've heard that a couple of times. I think question time, most of the last question time mentioned the same sort of thing as well, that there was some degree of um, competence there. Was it uh, Andy uh, Burnham, I think, mentioned that? Well, let's move on, though, to uh, change the subject a bit to some good news for you. Now, you are... Um, an academic, obviously an expert in your field. You're running the, um, the the subject area in the university. 
you've just had some good news because I understand you've been chosen or selected, appointed to the panel for the Quality Assurance Agency, which sets the standards for university degrees, right? Yes, I'm quite honored to have been chosen for the working group to rewrite the what is called the benchmark statement for economics. So that's the statement that uh, advises all universities in the UK uh, on how and, and what should be taught in economics. So it's, it's quite an honor and, and obviously something that will be a lot of fun getting my teeth into. Well, I can imagine uh, economics, what do they call it? The dismal science and all that. And if you've got you know, five economists, you'll get six opinions. Um, any, any major trends or changes that you see are necessary? I mean, look at the trends in economics and you know, we've gone from, I don't know, Keynesianism, monetarism, all those sort of things. Where might the, the innovation come, Marco? And I know you can't speak for that body yet and you're going to be part of a panel, but are there any big things you'll be taking into that panel? Well, I've been, you know, part of, of the debate in, you know, when it comes to, to higher education uh, in, in economics in the UK for, for quite some time. And there are some things that I think most people who are passionate about economics teaching uh, agree on. Um, so some is that it needs to be opened up. So we need uh, lots of different approaches. We need the realization and we need to teach students that economics cannot always provide the answer and that, you know, you can get things wrong. Mm. Um, and, and that there are different ways of looking at things, um, but also, to, you know, learn from other social sciences and bring them in and, and not be in our silo. I think that's really important. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's also important to attract um, different people to the profession. So there's quite a determined drive for diversity in, in economics um, and to bring in sustainability, um, you know, in, in the broadest possible sense. So, you know, climate change, obviously, but also um, to look at the structures and the policies and, and to avoid things like the 2008 uh, global financial crisis. So, mm. you know, there is, there is economic sustainability as well as ecological sustainability. And, you know, the Bank of England, all the, all the big employers of economists for quite some time have demanded that universities teach economic students differently so that they can do a better job in their careers. Mm. Um, and so there's a drive towards what we call authentic assessment. So instead of sitting down students and tell them to remember as much as possible in two hours in an exam, yeah. um, you give them tasks that um, you would actually do in your job, um, where you, you have to use not your knowledge, but your understanding. And, and this will make you far more employable when you then um, get out into the real world. Uh, and I'm quite proud of the fact that, you know, f here at the University of Northampton, uh, we have done away with any assessment that is not uh, something that you would do in a job or that doesn't test understanding. Um, so no exams here. Um, you, you really, you're being tested in your understanding and that in many ways makes it perhaps more difficult but it also um, makes it more likely that students succeed because they can see why they're doing it uh, yeah, that yeah, it has yeah. a you know it's relevant you know 
No, absolutely. And it prepares them better for the real world. That's that's key. It, you know, rude awakening, though, it might be. No, that's fun. I mean, must be, I hadn't heard that phrase before, authentic assessment. So that is something I would definitely take to heart. I certainly try in my strategy modules that it's not about exams. It's about application. We use a lot of case studies as well. Um, I assume, though, your your role will focus on both macro and micro elements of economics. And, um, you know, sad news for so many students, but it will involve a quantitative element as well, obviously. Right. The evidence is in the numbers no? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's not all we do but it's certainly an important part of what we do um, but there's no reason to be afraid of that because um, as long as you keep it practical um, it's, it's actually not that bad I, I know some people are get quite frightened of spreadsheets and, and numbers and um, but they can actually uh, be almost fun so yeah. you know um, you, you look at forecasts you see why was that forecast wrong and and of course that's something that you you can really do very well if you use Bloomberg which is uh, the uh, most you know the best information system out there to get all the information that you would ever want to have and uh, and that's something we have and that we use when when we teach so Fantastic. Well, I, I love your uh, passion for economics. It's something that caught my uh, heart when I was 14, I think. And I think it's such an important, but fascinating, actually. You know, it is so crucial to so, well, just to life in general, uh, although much maligned at times as well. So, Marco, thank you so much for coming on the show. Th thank you for sharing with us this wonderful honor to be chosen for this panel for the Quality Assurance Agency, the QAA, which sets the standards and the benchmarks and the way that um, your specialty area of economics is taught. That is a great honor for you, great honor for the university as well. And, um, you know, I like what, uh, what I'm hearing in terms of your approach you're going to bring to it. Um, we'll have you on again, I'm sure, in a, in a few weeks or a few months, especially when there's some major economic news. Meanwhile, let's just hope the government get their heads and their you know, bandwidth and their heads into the right things and not the wrong things. And, um, yeah, watch this space. There's some interesting times. I personally think we're in for, a, you know, some choppy, choppy waters the next few months and um, we're all going to have to batten down but hopefully without a war in ukraine but marco many thanks again keep safe keep well keep up the good work and congratulations on this latest appointment thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed that interview there are plenty more here on the podcast platform and of course you can always listen on uh, live on tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m on nlive radio 106.9 fm or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.